guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. <sighs> guys, I have been. If you follow me on Twitter at OKThenPrincess, you know that I have been listening to the Dixie Chicks new album. Excuse me, the Chicks. Fine. The Chicks new album. And why did I listen to it? I'll tell you why I listened to it, because I feel that. <laughs> A long time ago, they did us a favor of being Texas women, country women, country music women who were incredibly well-selling, who were willing to talk about George Bush. And therefore, I am going to at least stream their new album, okay? So, I started listening to it. <laughs> and... Yeah, I like it. It's, it's I mean... There are a couple of songs I like more than other. I like mad women music, okay? I like any music, like, where someone's like, you did me wrong. I'm about to bust out the windows in your car. <laughs> I'm about to sleep with your brother. I've called Homeland Security on you. Like, I love any kind of music like that. I love anything. Like, ooh, I forgot her name, but there was a, there's a song called... I think it's like magazines or something, but the song lyrics go, I hope your hell is filled with magazines. And on every one, you see a big picture of me. No, it's called Girl from the Gutter. <laughs> and the girl's name starts with a K. Something about not bad from the girl from the gutter. Not bad for a girl from the gutter like me. That's, that's my genre of music. People being mad and telling other people. <laughs> That you that I'ma get you back and I'ma move on. <laughs> None of this should surprise you. <laughs> if you know me, the fact that that's my genre of music is I'm about to break up with you because I can do better. And in the future, you're gonna wish that you had never crossed me. <laughs> if if you don't know that about me, I, I mean, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? But so I, the album's fine. I like a couple of the songs. Um, it sounds uh, more than a couple, maybe three or four I really like. And it definitely sounds like a Dixie Chicks, excuse me, The Chicks album. It certainly sounds like their album. But what struck me was that so many songs seem to be about Natalie Maine's ex-husband, who I didn't know she wasn't married to anymore. I didn't realize they broke up. I don't know where the fuck I be at. I don't, I don't. I feel like I miss a lot of shit sometimes. I'm just minding my fucking business or something. But his name is, it was Adrian, I want to say Pashar, but it's, um, I think he's, he's Lebanese. Um, but he used to be on Heroes. Do you remember? He's been on a bunch of stuff. He's got a, like a real square jaw, jaw line. So like, yeah, people cast him and shit. Anyway, apparently they had a terrible divorce and like, I mean, based on the lyrics and based on the shit I Googled afterwards, like I had to Google it because I was like, are they still together? Is this a lemonade situation? Did she make an album about how terrible he, she, he is and then they stay together? But no. Um, but apparently he cheated on her all the time. Sure, sure, sure. He uh, had sex with some other girl on his on her boat and she left her tights there and, she was, and Natalie was playing the Hollywood Bowl and... Brought, he brought the woman he was cheating on her with to there and he made it. And then there's a line, her husband saying something like, 
your my husband's girlfriend's husband just called me something about how it being crazy or whatever. And I tweeted that, but I just added my my own like spin on it because if my husband's girlfriend's husband called me, I would immediately change my number. Like I, in fact, I'd probably start a three way call with T Mobile. I'd be like, like. <laughs> This is T-Mobile, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keep going, man, keep going. Uh, no, 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 don't worry about the fact that there's a T-Mobile call person on there. Um, yeah, I wanna change my number, Yeah, but you keep going. Finish telling me your story. I would change my number immediately, and and I changed the locks to my house too. And so I tweeted that, and some people thought that, that I was talking about myself, which I can understand, I mean, I'm not someone who tweets music lyrics, but, but let me tell you, guys, um, if some shit like that went down in my marriage, you, I, I wouldn't be tweeting about it. What I do is I'd start my next podcast with, um, so guys, my husband died mysteriously. <laughs> like, he was just in the kitchen bleeding. We don't know what happened. Let's not talk about it. Let's move on. Um, uh, Liz says that I would have been divorced like eight months before I even talked about, before I even mentioned it. And she's right. I am the type of person that like, when I move on, I move the fuck on. Like if I don't, if I leave a place of business, like I no longer work there, I won't even drive down that street anymore. What for? That's, that was then, this is now. <laughs> I left, a, I quit a place. I was a, a bar manager at a place at a chain restaurant that was, um, attached to a mall and I never went to that mall again. <laughs> that used to be our mall. And my husband was like, well, let's go to the mall. I'm like, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't need to go over there. That's, that's old princess. This is new princess. She didn't go over there. I quit a job once and it was on good terms. I gave my notice. I gave months notice. And, um, on the last day of the job, I drove to Austin. Uh, I, my husband was home packing and stuff. I just had to go in for a few things. And I called the boss when I was leaving. I was like, so I'm done. I left my key with so-and-so. Um, my computer's in the office, blah, blah, blah. Like, I texted him. I didn't even call him. I texted him that. And then I blocked him. Because why the fuck do I need to talk to him ever again? I mean, later on, he went on to steal a bunch of shit but, and go to jail and everything. But that had nothing to do with me. I had no problems with him. He gave me severance and he let me claim, claim unemployment. So, like, I'm fine. <laughs> But that's the type of person I am. I really do. I'm, <laughs> I would just be like, and then you'd ask me to like talk about it. And I'd be like, mm, there's really nothing to talk about. Um, that was yesterday when I was married. And this is today when I'm not, I'm moving forward. <laughs> and that's it. That's all that would happen. Um, this has served me well in the past. It is also one of the many reasons I need therapy. But the reason I was tweeting about it so much is because once I, you know, I listened to the album, like a couple of songs, um, and I started going down a rabbit hole about um, Natalie and Adrian, and I cannot believe that, I don't understand why a rich woman gets married. So I believe in marriage, marriage is great, it's fine. I have a pretty good marriage. It's great. Um, I mean, I do want to kill him sometimes, but I mean, that's to be expected. But one thing we fail to talk about is that 
for poor people or people who have less money than middle class, which is another way to say poor, but poor people, being married, entering into a legal contract to share expenses and living space with someone is generally a good thing. And here's why. Because when you are a single person living in a one bedroom apartment and feeding yourself, you incur all the bills, all the expenses are yours. But as soon as you have a partner in there with you, immediately, I mean, there are exceptions, but immediately all the living expenses are, are slashed in half. You have the exact same space. So let's say your apartment costs a thousand dollars a month. Suddenly you only need to pay $500 a month to live in an apartment. Whereas a minute before you had to pay a thousand food costs go up by about 50% because feeding one person, two people is not twice as much. It's, it's about 50% more because of when you think about, um, buying fewer eggs and, uh, buying less bread. Like it's not like it's exactly double. Electricity bill is now it's half. Let's say your electricity bill was a hundred dollars a month. Now it's $50 a month. Being partnered with someone and, and sharing living space and expenses is excellent for your pocket. Okay. And you don't have to be married to do this, but I'm just saying that when studies show that lots of poverty comes from a single parent household with multiple children and that single parent has to shoulder all of the burden. You get what I'm saying? And that having two incomes changes a lot of things. When people ask me how I, how I make it work, but what I have, the first thing I acknowledge is that there's a certain amount of privilege in the fact that there are two incomes that come into this home and me by myself trying to make this happen in is, is we're on a whole different plane. So great. Marriage is great for poor people, especially poor women. It's great for, I mean, someone you can trust to bring an income and you can't trust everybody, baby, but you, you get the gist of what I'm saying. But if you have enough money to live wherever you want and how you want and are not dependent on those double incomes to, to make your life comfortable, why the fuck would you get married to anybody? I guess we can talk about religion, but I'm throwing religion outside of it. Why do you need to get married to anybody? You could literally live with that person for 20 years and do just fine. You don't have to pay his tax bill or worry about how to unentangle yourself once you find some other girl's tights on your boat. That's a very specific reference, Natalie. You found some her tights? Not leggings though? Tights. Who wears, what grown ass woman wears tights under a dress? I gotta, I gotta see the dress. <laughs> what, what, like, what wardrobe situation was it? Where were they going? What was the dress code where they were going? Where she had tights underneath? Because tights go underneath dresses and leggings are pants. Well, they're not pants, but they're pants. Hmm. Anyway, I'm just saying that, that, I don't understand why a rich woman would get married because you can be in love and not be married. You don't have to, you don't have to have any financial ties to this person. You can just enjoy the relationship 
And also, I mean, <laughs> Natalie, like, imagine, I just can't, can I, oof, I'm just thinking about having to be married to an actor. A square jaw, a square jawed actor. An Eddie Cibrian. The ghetto. No way in fuck I would ever marry someone that looked like that. I don't care what they said to me. I don't care if we had the best sex of our lives. I don't want to lock it down for life. I would never marry. I would never legally tie myself to someone who looked that good and whose lives revolved around that sort of validation. Never. I'm not saying people can't be faithful. People can be faithful. I'm not even saying that like being faithful is, you know, the thing, you know, but it's almost like marrying a professional basketball player and expecting him not to have a baby on you on the side. And am I sad about that? Yes. That's a sad thing I have to say, but it's the truth. It never, unless I had less money than them, then I would definitely marry them. And then I'd let them cheat on me. And then I'd, then I'd cry a lot and I'd get a Kobe type diamond, that yellow diamond he bought Vanessa once he was accused of rape. But then I'd start also siphoning money off to the side and getting my own bank account. Um, that I would use to put little bits of money. I'd be like, oh, I just need to involve, I just need to to enroll the kids into um, circus camp or whatever rich kids do. It's $10,000, make the ch check out to me. <laughs> just start putting money away, start compiling evidence. I have a file on my computer called uh, receipts. And then I keep all evidence against them so that when the inevitable divorce happens, I'd be able to be like, here's a picture of you doing coke while pregnant. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm petty. <laughs> I'm petty. I just feel like if I were married to a Melissa Etheridge, who a serial cheater, or um, if I were married to um, even an Ellen, if I were married to... Um, uh, Tristan, whatever his last name is, I forgot. Um, Tristan Thompson, if I were married to someone who was very powerful, who, who had a certain amount of power, who had a certain amount of money, who I could, like, there's just, because of the way we set the world up in power dynamics, them being faithful to me would be an issue. Like, not something to bet on. I would just be like, yeah, I just feel really hurt all the time. And I'd just be siphoning money, baby. I'd just be like putting that shit aside, getting enough. I'd be getting evidence and money and all kinds of stuff. Just getting enough so I can just one day be like, fuck you. <laughs> Very Gone Girl-esque. Um, why am I talking about that? I don't fucking know. Guys, you're listening to Buy Pumpkin, and this is the type of shit I do. Last night, in the middle of the night, I um, recorded an almost three-hour episode about Kate plus eight plus RV, the RV trip, as a makeup to my Patreon um, subscribers. So if you are one, either a $1 or a $5 subscriber, you got a new episode in your feed in the middle of the night. Um, and if you're not one, you should sign up. You just go to the Buy Pumpkin. Oof. You should go to podcast.com no you should go to <laughs> you should go to patreon.com backslash by pumpkin and sign up so i mean you got a princess diaries episode last week where i talked about where what's going on in my life you got a bonus episode last night about 
K plus eight in that damn RV. Oh God. Um, I'm recording a girls incarcerated episode with Liz tomorrow. That's going to be on her Patreon feed. And tomorrow night, I'm going to record a little woman Atlanta, um, episode for one of my sponsored, uh, episodes. So yeah, I'm fucking busy out here. I'm pumping out content. So make sure you go up and sign for the Patreon. Make sure you leave me a five-star review. If you like this content, make sure that you follow me at okay then princess on Instagram and Twitter and follow me at buy pumpkin podcast on Instagram. Also, so let's talk sponsored episodes. If you have spoken to me about a sponsored episode in the DMs and you have not sent me payment to Venmo, please do so, so I can record the episode. There are various people I've had conversations with about what I can do and can't do. You have to send me the money though. You can Venmo me at Princess Jones Curtis on Venmo. It's 20 bucks to sponsor an episode. Um, if you have paid me for a sponsored episode, I have a list of a couple of things I'm, I'm going to be doing that I've gotten payment for, and you have not gotten your episode yet, feel free to poke me. Feel free to say, princess, when is my episode happening? Princess, are you still going to do my episode? I am, I am not going to take offense to that. Um, and I will tell you exactly when I, my plan is to record your episode. And I think that's it. Um, uh, guys, we're at the finale of Growing Up Gotti. This is it. This is the last episode. And next week, I'm going to do the Growing Up Gotti special 10 years later. See where they are. Well, I think it was two years ago. Um, and then season three of Buy Pumpkin is done. So what happens next? Well, season four of Buy Pumpkin. And I've been kicking around a lot of thoughts about it. I thought about doing um, A Real Housewives of Miami because I believe it's very important. Um, season, season two is a very important uh, season of any housewife show. I thought about, I'd almost decided on my fair Brady with Adrian Curry, Adrian Curry. That's her name. Right. And, um, Christopher Knight from the Brady bunch and that fucked up relationship. I thought of, I'm been looking for, um, what is it? Shayna Mokler and Travis Barker did a show and I watched it recently on YouTube. Okay. So let me talk about YouTube real quick. Normally I don't like watching shit on YouTube. I don't like what I like to do when I'm doing something for the show is to buy it is to have it. And the reason is that I don't want to get halfway through the show and find out that the episodes I need are missing. I don't want to have to watch 20 minutes, a 22 minute show over and over and over and over again, because the sound quality is so fucked up. Call me bougie. It's just, it's how I feel. But, um, I recently did, cause I wasn't doing it for a show. I recently watched meet the, meet the Barkers on YouTube. And I was like, that's, uh, that's, I feel like that's a good show. And then I was on Twitter the other night and Kara of everyone's business, but mine friend of the pod, um, was tweeting about like, if you had to be in a sister wife situation, which sister wife would you want to be? And a lot of people said the last one, but I personally would be the first one personally. And the reason I would be the first one, because I want to control everything in the house, but never have to have sex with that man. Because any man in a sister wife situation is probably terrible in bed because he's got too many women 
lifting up his mediocre ego. Also, none of them are hot. If you prove me wrong, send me some photos of some, <clears throat> I'm not polyamorous, send me some photos of some uh, polygamist, uh, polygamist marriages where the dude is hot and not gross and not terrible in bed because he's complacent because he's got all these fucking women fighting over him. So I would be like, yeah, I want to control the house, but also like um, never have to have sex with him. And then I would just take birth control pills and pretend to be barren. And I and every time someone was starting to have a baby, I would wait until we got to the hospital. I'd be so excited. I'd be like throwing baby showers and shit. And then I get to the hospital and as soon as they put the babies in my arms, I just bust out crying. And guess what? Guess who's choosing the next vacation? Me. Guess who's getting a new to me Acura? Me. And so that's how, that's how I play it. That's how I play it. Um, but Sonia of um, Rewind the Love Pod, which I'm sure you listen to. I'm sure you listen to. Sonia mentioned that if it were, because most of us came to, came to it in a sister-wife situation, not necessarily something like the girls next door. She was talking about it in that situation. She'd want to be Kendra, who's the youngest and who came in the latest because the thing is, Hef and Holly could pretend to be in love and Kendra could just come on trips and have a free place to live and do shit like that. And in that situation, I agree, I'm Kendra. <laughs> like, if it's sister-wife situation, I don't want to be Robin. I don't want, I don't want Cody looking at me all the time. <laughs> like, basically what I'm saying is I want to be whichever one of them doesn't have to have sex with them as much. Cause I'm too busy putting aside money and chipping away <laughs> and, and gathering evidence so that when the time is time for me to leave, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Listen, it's on brand for me. But having that, that those couple of tweets with Sonia started me thinking about girls next door. And what I did was I was like, didn't Kendra write a book? Cause I've listened to Holly's books. I feel like once or twice. And I said, didn't Kendra write a book? So I looked forward to my library app and she didn't have an audiobook, so I downloaded it. I was like, I'll take a couple of baths and read this shit. And then I downloaded um Holly's uh audiobooks again and I started listening to those and I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time to talk about the girls next door. And so if you've been following me on social media and other places, I've let you guys know that I will be talking about Girls Next Door on the main feed for season four of Buy Pumpkin. It starts August 2nd. I'm going to be clear. I'm going to be talking about the rapes. I'm going to be talking about, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the sex slave elements of this, of these relationships. I'm going to be talking about the stuff in Holly's books, in Kendra's book. And there's another playmate that wrote a book that contradicts a lot that's in Holly's book. And like, I'm gonna be talking about these things and I'm fucking excited. Um, so yeah, guys, we only have a couple of weeks left and we're gonna be in, um, we're gonna be in season four and we're gonna be doing Girls Next Door. So I think that's all the show business here. Let's talk about the goddies. So the show opens up where they're in takeout, where they're having takeout. Um, I don't know what it is. It looks like, ravioli or something because 
See the John and Carmine yelling at um, Victoria that they didn't put cheese on his ravioli and she's like, she's like, they didn't put any fucking cheese on my ravioli. Like, they sound like fucking children, but also like really disrespectful children. Um, I wish to God one of my kids would say they didn't put any fucking cheese on my ravioli. And I know it's easy for me to say this because I don't have an 18-year-old son. All my kids are in fourth grade and under. My oldest is going into the fourth grade. But I'm just telling you, I'm about to be 40 years old. I don't think I'm changing much more. I mean, we all grow and change every day. But you couldn't have said, you couldn't have screamed at me about the ravioli on your, the cheese on your ravioli 20 years ago and you can't do it now. And I guarantee you 10 years from now, they can't do it. It's not going to happen. Actually, me and my husband got into a huge fucking fight because my husband's got a fish tank for Father's Day. My husband loves his fish tank. He's been like in love with that fucking fish tank. He's been doing all kinds of shit with the fish tank, but he's trying to keep the climate control a certain way into the, to his man cave in the garage. But the way he built up, he didn't build up the garage, but the way he set up this garage is that it's, it's our garage. And then he built a wall down like to cut it in two thirds and one third. So he built a man cave in the two thirds part. He did HVAC, all that shit. And then on the one third part is kind of like what you would typically do as a garage. It's where the lawnmower is. It's, he has a workbench over there that all that shit. And there's a door between the two. So his problem has been the door between the two, because he feels like a lot of, um, air is, is leaking between those two. And he really needs to replace the door, but he hasn't. So, and he's worried about the temperature of his fish. So what he did, apparently, I didn't know this, is he used my power drill, not his, cause his is never charged. He came and found mine and he used it to drill a screw. He drilled the door shut between his man cave and the garage. Now, at some point he was out in the garage part, the garage door part with his workbench and stuff. He was out there doing something with a grill and I needed something from him. So I walk out of my home into his man cave or through his man cave. And then I go to the door that goes to the, cause that's where he is as far as I know. And I turned it and it was a little, it was a little stuck, but I just like pushed it and I opened it. And as soon as I opened it, he goes, why would you do that? And I was like, what, what do you mean? Why, what do you mean? Why would I do that? I'm asking you about something. And then he goes, you kicked that door in, didn't you? You kicked that door open. Guys, I don't know when the fuck I became daniel son. I don't know when the fuck Mr. Miyagi taught me how to do the flying crane and kick shit open. And then that's, that's what I do in my home. I just walk around and I'm just like, oh, there's a door. Pop, kick it open. That's not what I fucking do. So I was like, I didn't kick open this door. And he goes, yes, you did. There's no other way to get through this door. You must have dropped, kicked. You must have run and kicked it. And he was so angry. And he was talking to me. I don't know what the fuck he was talking to me like, but I had to be like, walk away from this, walk away from this. He came and followed me into the house and was like, I want to talk to you. Cause I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get, I'm like, ah, you can't talk to me right now. I'm still mad. Like 
I cannot tell you how angry I was. <laughs> that All I did was open a door. I don't know. And sometimes there's other stuff on the other side of the door. So sometimes you really do have to push it a little bit because he'll like stack a box behind it or something and the, the box will slide. So I'm not a strong person and I'm certainly not kicking open fucking doors. And for him to be like, you kicked open this door. And then when I say, no, I didn't. And he goes, yes, you did. <laughs> did you see me? Is this what I'm known for? And that's a dumb idea anyway. Like this is one of those ideas you should run past me because it's dumb. Like you should get a better door. Go to Home Depot and buy a new fucking door. Like he um, framed the door and everything. It's fine. Like the frame is fine and everything. It's just he bought the cheapest door possible. And over time, it's like, it's been like a little warped. And he needs to get one with, he need, He also needs to get a, um, I mean, it's pretty close to the bottom. Like getting like a door duster. You know what I'm talking about? Those things that keep air from flowing away from your door. But maybe he needs one all around the door. Either way, there are solutions. And the solution is not screw the door shut in the middle of the night. It's not my fault. He, he said it like, 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 here comes my professional wrestler wife. And she just, and oh, she just breaks things down and kicks open windows. Just, I was so fucking mad at him. And I just did not like the way he's talking to me. This is relevant because as I watched this episode, as I've been watching this whole fucking season, I am just having a very hard time with the way these children speak to her. And like I've said before, she taught them to do this because they don't think anything's going to happen because they really only got one time to talk to me like this and I'm fucking done with it. And like, even my husband, who's a very sweet person, clueless, but sweet, knew that he was like, oh, I can't let this stand. If I do not go find her and uh, at least try to apologize to her, who knows where it's going to go? Because like I said, I'm a petty person and as much as I try to be elevated and I try to like rise above and do the best thing and think to, and what is it that the alcoholics say, play the tape through like, okay, if you do this, then they do this. And then is that where you want to be? Is that how you want to go? What should you do to get to where you want to go? Even though that's the type of person I am, I, if you get me mad enough, I can't do that. I can't do it. And then just stuff happens. Stuff happens. Like, I just want you to know that scene the waiting from waiting to exhale is based on my life story where she's burning up those people's stuff. Yes. I was like 14 when it came out, but they knew me. <laughs> like I, I, I can hype myself into doing some real crazy things. And then I'm like, princess, why are you putting up this billboard with with, with the words, James gives people herpes and his phone number. Why are you doing that? How'd you even get up here? What's going on? I, I, I sometimes can like let things get too far. So even he knew, he was like, oh shit, I need to go be like, you know, it was, I'm sweat. I'm outside. It's really hot. I'm a little frustrated with what I was doing. And I don't know why I was talking to you like that. And like I said, he couldn't talk to me right then. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you can't talk to me right now. You got to let me be. And it was a few hours before we could have a rational conversation about <laughs> what happened. And that's, and that's a small thing. Like, I'm sure there's people in here that's like, in my relationship, we scream at each other all the time. And sure, my husband accuses me of kicking down doors all the time. I just... <laughs> 
I'm just so mad. He was just like, and you definitely kicked it down. You did. I know you're saying no, but you definitely did it because I know you. I know you, princess. You're a rock'em sock'em robot, and you just walk around punching and kicking things. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was so fucking ridiculous. It was been like if he accused me of stealing his wallet. What fucking for? Why would I do that? <laughs> so yeah, um, they're sitting there. Um, there's a shot of Carmine in his Von Dutch hat that's like artfully put on his head at an angle. I was like, oh, they definitely want us to know what year this was filmed. And uh, Victoria's talking to them because she's going to LA and their Uncle Pete, Uncle Peter, her younger brother. Remember, she's got three brothers, John Jr., Frankie, and Peter. And Frankie died in a car accident or like a car hit him or something when he was younger. And John Jr. is, you should know, he was like very entwined in in the Gambino crime family and in um, John Gotti's uh, demise and the last parts of his life. And then Peter, who's done some time or whatever, but I think she's closest to Peter. And Peter wants to take the boys camping. And the boys, they ain't having it. They don't want to fucking go camping. They don't want to go camping. They don't want to go in the woods. Carmine's like, why would I go in the woods? <laughs> and um, guys, I'm planning a camping trip. This is very funny because I'm planning a camping trip for late October. Um, state parks are still open where I am. And they have campsites where you can easily like go camping and not be around anybody. Obviously, social distancing. Uh, they have, you know, the restrooms and stuff on the camp. Like, you know, there's like maybe four or five campsites that all use one restroom and shower. And for them, and like, we're only going to be there one night so nobody needs to take a shower. And I'm going to encourage the children to pee in the woods. <laughs> and hopefully nobody eats chili and has to poop. But like, if we have to go into one of the restroom things, I can definitely, um, the kids can wear a mask and they can use the restroom and decontaminate themselves. But like a campsite, like, and obviously we can't go now cause it's like 102 degrees, but we can definitely go in late October when it starts to get cool around here. Um, and so I'm planning a trip and I was talking to the kids about it cause I was like, this is actually doable. It's only an hour away. The campsite's $20. We have some, some camping gear cause my kids were Cub Scouts and we just need to buy a new tent. And the campsites all have like water hookup and a power hookup and picnic table and like a clearing. So like literally I could drive to this campsite, set up a tent, let my kids run around, let them roast marshmallows, eat over a campfire, let them sleep out, let them blow bubbles and just like let them like have a nice half day and night outside and get away. And so I was planning this trip and just, you know, you know, I'm a planner. I'm a Kate Gosling and I've got a list and I'm, I'm writing down, um, action items and, and dates that I need to keep in mind of when I need to do this and when I need to do that. Great. And Bunny, my foster kid, she's seven, comes over and she, and I'm telling her about the camping thing. She's like, mm, 
I don't want to be dirty and itchy and hungry outside in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I laugh when I saw this because Carmine <laughs> recently said, mm, I don't want to be dirty and itchy and hungry outside in the middle of the night. I think my kids are going to like camping. I think they are. Um, they like being outside. Um, and I think they're going to like the opportunity to sleep with the whole family in a camp and one tent. I don't think my husband's going to like it. <laughs> I think he's going to try to go sleep in the truck. But um, I think he's going to... Actually, what I think he's going to do, I think he's going to try to... Because we need to buy a new tent. I think what he's going to do is he's going to try to get like a tent for us, a smaller tent for us and a bigger tent for them. But there's only one space you can put a, um, like the space you can put tents on is limited, right? You can't just put a tent anywhere on this campsite area. There's like a specific place. So you can't bring like six tents. Um, so anyway, I just think, I think they're going to like it. I think they're going to like the s'mores part. And I think they're going to be happy to be outside and dirty and there's camping and there's like waterfalls and I mean, excuse me, hiking and waterfalls. Like, I can take them down, like, a, an easy trail. I can, like, and there's catfishing. So, like, there's a couple of things that we can do on our one day in the woods. And it's all things they're kind of interested in. So, unfortunately, though, Carmine, John, and Frankie, they don't want to fucking go. And Victoria says if her parents offered her the opportunity to go camping, she would have went gladly. And I'm like, sure, sure, I'm sure you would. Because your father's a murderer. And like, when he tells you we go on camping, you don't say nothing but yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if she said no, she'd have to, she'd probably be worried that Sammy Gravano would show up at her elementary school and kill her. Like, that's how it worked. <laughs> he did what the fuck he said. Or Sammy the Bull would kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'd go camping if John Gotti told me to go too. <laughs> I sure the fuck would. Um, also, they're talking about Tula again. Remember when they went to the mall and they were talking about there was some old Miami lady there and she looked like Tula? Like, it's, it's I don't know, it's something going on. But they were talking about Tula playing with the bears and looking like a bear. And Victoria wipes them off, like, really quickly from that. But I'm like, why are the boys... I think it's weird that they're mentioning their mom's friend at all. Hmm. Detective Princess. Somebody give me the answers to what that's about. Um, oh, and they cite the Blair Witch Project. They don't want to go because they've seen the Blair Witch Project. You guys should know I was a grown-ass woman when the Blair Witch... Uh, I mean, I wasn't super grown, but I was, like, definitely college age. Uh, and I, I, I was definitely in college because I came home. It's probably been my first year but I was in college. I came home and uh, I went to I went to my first year in college in the same city as my parents, but lived in a dorm because I'm an idiot. But I come home and I'm sitting on my mom's bed watching TV, and for some reason my younger brother's up there too. Um, remember, there are no phones in the house because my brother ran up a $600 phone bill calling a girl who lived like a county away. But this is back when long distance actually mattered. <laughs> So my mother has removed all the phones from the home and told us to call out the windows if we need help. And so my mother, so we're just in the house watching TV, my mom's bedroom laying in her bed, which is something we would do sometimes. And my mom, and it's dark and we're watching Blair Witch Project. So maybe 
it came out the year I was a senior and then I, it came out on video when I was in college, first year of college. So we're watching it and scary movies scare me. And the reason they scare me is because I always go into them going, okay, there's a premise. I believe it. Go. Like, I don't, I don't try to like, <laughs> I don't try to be a detective. I don't try to be like, oh, you can see the string on. So I'm always like, yeah. Okay. So, um, there's a witch in the woods. I'll take it. I believe it. I've internalized it. Tell me the story. And I just believe everything that happens after that. <laughs> I'm all in. And so I'm watching it. It's terrifying me. And part of the problem that I was having was that the place they died at the end of the Blair Witch Project, I don't know if it was like like a broken down piece of a house, like a house that had half burned down. And it was like the only thing left of the house. It... <laughs> it looked like my mom's laundry room. <laughs> it did. And, and I was like, oh no, I definitely recognize myself there. And my mom had come home with groceries and opened the door. Instead of calling us, she opened the door because we don't have phones anymore. There's no phones in the house anymore. And goes, come on down. Um, can we get the groceries? And me and my brother called back and we're like, we can't do that. <laughs> She's standing at the door. I mean, <laughs> and much like me, my mom expects if you show up, if she calls her teenage children to come down the stairs and help her with the groceries, that you appear down the stairs. Like she, and I just wanted to tell you, tell you that I was so scared that we were like, no, we can't come. And she was like, why? And I was like, um, you're very close to the laundry room and the Blair Witch is there. <laughs> And she was so fucking mad at us. She was like, if you don't get your motherfucking asses down here. When my mom gets mad, her lips go away. They turn into really thin lines. Like she talks like, you if you don't get your motherfucking ass down here. <laughs> and I was like, I really can't. <laughs> You're going to have to be mad. I'm scared. <laughs> and I'm well known for shit like this. My mom used to have a... um. This is weird. She used to have a little black doll on a stand in the living room that was in like a a plantation dress and not like a slave plantation dress, but like a Southern belle, like a Scarlett O'Hara. I, I don't know where she got this from. Maybe somebody gave it to her, but it was like a plastic doll. It's a black doll and it had a lot of like ringlet curls and it had a crocheted hat and a crocheted dress that looked like that was had all these like layers to it that looked like if, if Gone with the Wind was played with by black people, that's what it looked like. And it would sit at the front of our house and I was terrified of it. And when I say I was terrified of it, I was like 14. I was not a child. Oh, I was a child, but you know what I'm saying? I wasn't like, I wasn't like 10 years old or even six years old. I was 14 and scared of this doll. I was just like, I didn't trust it. I didn't trust it. I didn't understand what that doll was doing there. I didn't understand why that doll was in some antebellum, uh, frilly dress when we know she would have been out back being a slave. I didn't, I didn't get the doll. I didn't get it. <laughs> I would always tell my parents something's up with that doll. <laughs> and they used to get so fucking sick of me. I'd be like eating dinner and they'd be like, so what's going on? How's school? How's blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, well, everything's fine. But, um, you know, something's up with that doll, right? Something's up with that doll. And 
I was just like, listen, and Chucky, they didn't believe that little boy either. And y'all don't believe me. And where are they at the end of the book, at the end of the movie? Dead. And so I'm just saying, maybe you guys should be listening to me. So, <laughs> so one day, I used to be a latchkey kid. I would come home alone all the time. I'm 14, I'm walking home. I don't know where my brother is. I used to walk home with my brother, but he, for some reason, he's not with me. And I opened the door, and that motherfucking doll is not on her stand. She's on the floor. <laughs> and she does not on the floor like somebody, like somebody knocked her down. She's on the floor like I walked in on her as she was going to the bathroom. <laughs> She's just on the fucking floor. And you know what I did? I shut that front door and walked right up that fucking house. I walked right back to that fucking school. I went to the office. I said, I need help. <laughs> and I need to call my mama. <laughs> so I got, there's another thing. Liz and I's mom have the um, same name. And Liz talks a lot about how her mom used to, how she would call her mom at work all the fucking time. Like, um, I need to speak to Yvonne or whatever. I never called my mom at work. My mom was like, I am at work. I can't take any phone calls. They trying to fire a bitch around here anyway. <laughs> Do not call me and no, I can't leave. I don't know what to fucking tell you. The house is on fire. Call 911. I will see you at 6 p.m. That's how my mom handles work. <laughs> so me calling her at work was a problem, okay? <laughs> like, but it, to me, it was an emergency. So I, get, I go to the office, I call my mama, and I say, listen, my, um, the doll's loose. I told you shit was gonna happen. The doll's out here. <laughs> she's out in these fucking streets, ma. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, excuse me, go home. And I was like, I ain't going home. I'm never going home again. That doll is out here. She's making her moves and I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> she like threatened to whoop me. My mom, like, like I talked about and, extensively I grew up in the 80s and people whooped people but when I was 14 years old it was like 1994 my mom didn't whoop me when I was 14 I don't think I got a whooping pass like eight like she didn't she didn't like I didn't do I was too old for a spanking like at this point she'd be fighting me so so like her threatening to whoop me was like serious but also like I don't give a fuck you ain't gonna live long enough to whoop me this this doll's gonna kill us so Try it. <laughs> I'll take my chances. And she's like, you need to go home. I said, I am not going home. I will be at the library <laughs> minding my own good goddamn business. And you will. <laughs> I didn't say that. But that's, that's, that's the attitude I gave her. It's real cute. You threatening me and you telling me I'm going to do this and doing this. And that the dolls and I need to stop playing or whatever. But let me tell you, I ain't going back over there. So... Let me know. <laughs> and finally, what had to happen is my dad had to leave base <laughs> and drive and come and get me. <laughs> and my dad's a very understanding. He's a soft guy. That's just he, he's the type of dude that like you definitely you want to tell him all your problems. And he doesn't art, he doesn't really yell very much and he makes you laugh and he definitely listens, okay? He's a sweet guy. And so I get in the car 
And I said, you ain't got that doll with you. <laughs> he goes, the doll is gone. And I go, oh, you couldn't catch her? And he goes, no, <laughs> I've taken the doll away. The doll is not there. The doll, I, it's time to get rid of that damn doll. The doll's gone. And I mean, I believed him, but I also didn't believe him. I was also like, maybe the doll just like, Chucky came and picked up the doll and like drove the doll away or something. I don't, I don't know what happened to the doll. I really have no idea. But I know that when he brought me to the house and we opened the door, the doll stand was not there. The dog's luggage was not there. Um, she, she cleared out. <laughs> and was I completely soothed? Absolutely not. I definitely was looking for that doll around the house, like opening cabinets real fast and shit. <laughs> you know how Chucky would just run down the hallway and like slice people's ankles? I was always protecting my ankles. <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah, um, I don't know why I'm talking about that. <laughs> I think the dog's name was Bella. It might not have been Bella, but it might not have had a name. <laughs> but I hope she's living, uh, I hope she's doing well. <laughs> I hope that she's out here living her best life. <laughs> okay, let me get back to the fucking show. <laughs> I'm sorry. That story makes me laugh a lot because when I tell it to people, they're always like, oh, princess, you're joking. I am not joking. That is what happened. And to this day, I am pretty sure that doll lives. And there's no amount of logicing you can do for me. There's no, you can't, I, I don't want to hear it. I, I know what I saw. Okay. I know what I saw. And while I, don't believe like I don't it's not like I believe in everything but I am a firm believer that there's a lot of shit in this world that I don't know shit about and sometimes when you see something instead of saying something you need to leave and run down the street and go back to the school and call your mama to pick you up because you cannot <laughs> this is not what you should be doing um <laughs> so you know, they're going camping and Victoria's going to Hollywood. She, Hollywood, Victoria's going to LA. <laughs> Victoria's going to LA and she's going to be, um, on, she's doing a guest spot on passions, passions. And so as she's leaving, she asked, um, the kids, she asked Carmine and John for their keys. And I thought she got the keys and gave them the gin. That's not what happened. What happened is she told Jen to get the keys and then left. Mistake number one, okay? Tired of her sending Jen off to do her fucking dirty work with her own children. Jen is not your nanny. But, so Jen is trying to get the keys. Basically what's, what um, Victoria wants to do is get their car keys and have Jen hold them and then like, if it's necessary for them to drive their cars, then she will let Jen know to give them their keys. That's the idea. I don't know why. I don't know. It's because she doesn't want to leave town and have her 18 and 17 year old children running the streets. I mean, Carmine is 18 years old. And I know that like that line between 17 and 18 is almost arbitrary, right? It's not like at midnight on your 18th birthday, you're suddenly an adult <laughs> and everything's changed. It's not how it works. It's one of the reasons why when we talk about children and someone's, when someone's talking about their child who's 20, I don't automatically go, what the fuck are you talking about? Because 
you're right, they're not your six-year-old child, but a 20-year-old is somebody's child. They're legally an adult, but they still need their parents for certain things. And I mean, and Carmine is a goddamn child. So I get it. She doesn't want the kids driving or maybe they're in trouble or something. My problem is she didn't go get the keys herself. She sent Jen to go get the keys and Jen's going to get John's keys. And John lies to her, says her mother says no. His mother said that he could leave. Then he's aggressive with her. Not like physically, he doesn't get up in a crowd or anything, but he's verbally aggressive with her and that made me uncomfortable. Because here's this woman just trying to do her job. Like she said, I'm just trying to do my job. And he's calling her a drill sergeant and she needs to calm down. He's talking to her. So when I did that bonus episode about um, Kate plus eight on the RV, I definitely... I clocked something about... There's an incident with Kara and uh, Ashley the babysitter... And Jamie, the friend who's on the trip for free, but is expected to work. And Kate, that very much is like, Kara is like, does not see Ashley and Jamie as, she sees her mother as above them. And she wants something. And so she's going to make her mother make them do it. And there's like a strange power dynamic, a money thing in there. And I felt it here too, where it's like, John doesn't respect Jen. I mean, they're, they're probably very close to the same age. She's probably five years, maybe six, seven years older than him. They're not like, it's not, it's like a, a new teacher straight out of school teaching a 17 year old. It's different. But um, he doesn't respect her. And the way he's talking to her, he's verbally aggressive to her. He calls her a drill sergeant. She's making a big deal out of nothing. And he's not going to allow her to leave with his keys. And, and like, I'm like, Jen, quit this job. Victoria's such a bad boss. And the fact that she just made you go try to get these keys when she couldn't get them. Just the worst. If Victoria wanted those keys, she should have taken them from the children to begin with. Also... It was hard for me to watch this because I know that when I talk about my kids and everything, I talk about, I can sound a little crunchy about it. I am someone who likes to listen. I am someone who watches, tries to watch the way I talk to my children. I am someone who believes that children have agency and they don't just exist to get me the remote and do what I want and look the way I want. And like they, they, they have some, some agency about their own body and their own wants and things. And I, when I'm doing my best parenting, I'm listening, not telling. I am working with them, not against them. That said, listen, you, I'm not going to buy you a mother. You don't have a penny to your name. I buy the fucking jail. I buy the, I bought that fucking car. You talk to me crazy. And if I want the keys to that car, you better fucking bring them to me. And just like... We can escalate the situation by us feeling. If you put, if you get me mad enough and you put me in a position where I don't have control over my pettiness, we can take it there, okay? We can go there. And John refusing to give me the keys to a car I bought would piss me the fuck off. I'd be like, John, you have one minute to give me those fucking keys. 
I am going, and if you don't, I know you think that I won't miss a fucking plane, but I will. I won't take a red eye. Don't fucking play with me. I will reschedule a flight. If you started here with me now, I will turn off that little phone, that sidekick, that T-Mobile sidekick you're rocking right now, probably. I will turn that bitch off. I will call right now and turn that shit off. I will take my spare key, because why the fuck wouldn't I have a spare key to your car? I will get in this car and drive it down to Capital Chevrolet and turn the bitch in. <laughs> I, I will drive this fucking car to California. Don't start with me. You will be in a gutter in a pair of boxers when you're done with me. Don't talk to me like that. Bring me the fucking keys. I <laughs> I would have lost my goddamn mind on those kids. Because whereas I believe that like kids don't owe parents anything. Like they take Parents take care of children because they have to. You know what? Kids are just intense hobbies that, that the government will arrest you if you try to quit. That's what they are. <laughs> It'd be like if you took up like watercolors and you went to the paint store and they were like, oh, you sure you want to do this? Because if you decide halfway through you don't want to finish making the painting, you know, you'll get a CPS charge. That's what kids are like. And so, <laughs> but especially my kids, my kids are adopted and they're foster kids and I'm not doing them a favor by them being here. I get something from the work I do with my children and they benefit from it. They don't owe me anything. Let me take that back. They do owe me something. They owe me the respect of speaking to me as if they got some goddamn sense and to do what I asked them to do. Because we don't go any further unless you do what I ask you to do. I'm. We're not... As much as I try to work with everybody and I, I try to listen and I try to give choices and I try to be a good parent, at the end of the day, I'm in charge here. And if you don't want me to be in charge, then you need to leave, especially 18-year-old Carmine. Carmine, if you don't like what I'm saying, then you should go and get yourself a nice bus pass and get the fuck out of my house. You're old enough to go on out there and be grown or give me my fucking car keys. Which one do you want to do? And so I... I can't stand badass kids. I can't stand disrespectful children. I can't stand any of that. And I'm not gonna work my ass off to buy you hair gel and cars and uh, TVs that you can put into a, to your dirty ass room. Like I'm not gonna work, 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 work and, and provide, 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 which I am happy to do because I love you but you're also gonna treat me like somebody who works, 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 provides, 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 stands by you, takes care of you, handles things. Like, you're gonna treat me like that. You're not gonna treat me like I'm a butler. You're not gonna talk to me crazy and then like expect me to continue to do these things. And that means like in any relationship I would be in, that means in a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, a parent-child I'm just not. You're not going to disrespect me and I'm going to break my neck for you ever. And you're lucky that I would catch a charge if I ran away, if I put you outside my house right now because you're only six years old. Last, yesterday, <laughs> my three-year-old tried to play me over a granola bar. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. I hunched down to his level so he could see me, so we could speak eye to eye. 
And I got very quiet, which is, you should know that if I have gotten quiet, because I'm a loud ass person, if I'm getting, if I'm very close to you speaking to you like this, we are in the danger zone. Anything could happen from here. Anything. And so, <laughs> so I got very close to him and I said, listen, buddy, um, I run this. <laughs> This is mine. I do this. And we do it my way or we don't do it at all. <laughs> and I basically, it boiled down to, you better check yourself before you check a bad bitch like me. And don't start with me. <laughs> and, and the whole time I was talking to him, he was, I feel, I feel like he understood that he had pushed me a little too far. He had done a little, it was a little too much, a little too much. And the whole time I was talking, he was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. So we need to un understand each other on our base level here, okay? Because you ain't gonna be acting wild with me over a motherfucking granola bar that I bought, that I put on a mask and went to H-E-B to get. You, you ain't gonna do it. You playing yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself, okay? <laughs> That's essentially how the conversation went. And he's three. <laughs> I have an understanding that he's three and that there are certain things he can't control about himself and that sometimes he loses it. So I was holding back. I'm just imagining, whew, me and John would have went at it. And if I was John, I would quit. If like, if you can't control these wild animals, don't ask me to do it. I can file paperwork. I can make appointments. I can drive you places. I am not gonna parent your children for you. You want those keys, go get them. I don't think she got him either. Um, she, she, cause when he was lying to her, she was like, let's call her now. He's like, I don't have to call anybody. Like he was real disrespectful to her. And I get, like I said, I get that she's only a little bit older than him. She's, she's the assistant. Like I get that, like they're disrespectful kids. Like they don't even respect Victoria. So why would he show Jen some respect? I, I understand that, but it's just not something I can do. This is why I don't teach school. This is why I don't date fuck boys. <laughs> this is why I don't argue with people on the internet. I get angry, guys. I have a temper. And sometimes it's a short fuse. <laughs> and sometimes my fuse don't reconnect. If you set me off, I will walk away from you and never come back. Um, thank God I didn't do that with a three-year-old because I'd be in jail right now. But <laughs> still. Um, Victoria's going to be on Passions as a sexy nurse. And she's acted before, but I couldn't find anything on her IMDb. And she's running lines with James Hertzfeld, who's a director. And I looked him up. And there's a couple of things it says about him. What has he done? What has he done? Hold on. Just his biography. Wait a second. He did a bunch of shit, though. Why am I not? I know you guys love it when I'm just like. He's been nominated for a primetime enemy, in, enemy, Emmy. <laughs> okay, so he's directed Two of a Kind. He's done some ABC after school specials. Well, hold on, I'm sorry, I just gotta listen. What kind of after school special he's done? Run, Don't Walk, Teenage Girls and I About Being in a Wheelchair When an Accident Leaves Her Paralyzed. She Begins to Change when She Becomes Friends with a Boy in the Same Situation. Okay, The Paper Chase. 
The Father's Revenge, the Ryan White story. Who's Ryan White? Guys, I'm sorry. I'm just on the internet right now. 13-year-old hemophiliac who, who, uh, who, is that how you spell hemophiliac? Damn, I never knew that. Who contracted AIDS from factor V8 or 8, um, which was used to control his disorder. Um, what else did he do? Don King, Only in America. I've watched that. Oh, he did an episode of Tales from the Crips. Tales from the Crypt, not the Crips. That's a gang. Um, Casualties of Love, the Long Island Lolita story. Girl, girl, I definitely watched this one. The one with Alyssa Milano. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so he's a famous person. I definitely watched this. This came in 1993, probably a year before. <laughs> a year before I came to grips with that doll. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good one. Oh, I think this one is the one that paints Joey Buttafuoco is like, who, me? <laughs> I don't even know that girl. I don't know why she shoot my wife in the face. I just fixed her car a couple times. <laughs> Which is obviously not true. Obviously, nobody shoots your wife in the face. I, I guess they've admitted, I mean, I guess they've been, like, more clear about, like, maybe he's been more honest. But when this actually happened, his his response was like, I don't even know that girl. I just fixed her car a couple of times. Um, she's saying that I got her prostituting. I had sex with her and gave her herpes. Mm-mm. No, no. I don't know who that is. Mm-mm. She just run around here shooting girls in the in the face. Oof, <laughs> that's the way. You, or so anyway, I'm not gonna look at any more of this. Um, apparently he's a very famous person. That's what I'm gonna say about that. And he went to school, the University of Miami, with uh, Sly Stallone, and they were roommates. So famous. <laughs> anyway, they run lines, and she's uh, Victoria's already in L.A. because they're in a hotel room. It looks very romantical, and. He's just like, yeah, you're very sexy. You can do this. Because she's, I mean, she reads her lines very mechanically. And she's like, how am I doing? He's like, great. You're perfect. <laughs> like, it felt more like he wanted to screw her than he, than he thought. <laughs> I don't know. She, she billed him as a friend. So I don't, I don't know what that was about. And she's like, you think I can do this? You think I can be a sexy nurse? And he's like, of course you can. You're absolutely sexy. You can do this. And she just pauses and goes, you're right. Actually, I want to talk about Victoria's look in this episode. First of all, she's wearing a lot more makeup than she normally does. It looks to me like she, like the episode started airing and she was like, oh shit. Uh, people can see me. <laughs> she's seen herself on TV for the first time and suddenly is like very much, um, I don't know, just decided to step it up. So, I mean, and she looks buxom. I, I wouldn't describe Victoria Gotti as buxom. She, her face is rounded. Like, she got some filler. I don't know what happened. And, may, and maybe this, it was like this last episode, and I just didn't notice. Because remember, I believe it was last episode, or maybe the one before that, where the boy, people were chasing them and stuff, and the fashion week. And I'm like, dude, like, maybe the, there's no reason for those girls to be chasing them unless the show started airing. So I'm not really sure. 
But I will say that this time I definitely noticed that she like, like I said, she looked buxom. Her breasts looked like huge. She like she, like she got in a boob job or something. Um, her face was super round. Uh, she had a lot of makeup on. And then it's only when she's playing this, they're doing this um, role play in the hotel because you know they're running lines that I'm like, is this, this this looks romantic? Like. What the fuck is going on here? Oof. Um. Back home, the boys are meeting up with Uncle Peter, Uncle Pete, at a pizza shop or restaurant of some sort that I'm sure he either owns or has a majority stake in. And uh, they've got their Von Dutch hats on to the wildest angles. In fact, we watched John fix his hat several times for way too long. Um. And he's also got somebody named Vito and somebody named Chubby with them. So they sit down. Actually, by the time they sit down, they're not even wearing those Von Dutch hats anymore. They just got like dented hair. So I don't know what that's about. So it was a waste of time. So Peter says they're going to the woods and that's it and that's that and nobody has a choice. And John looks like they just told him he'd have to clean up the toilets with his Von Dutch hat. He looks devastated he is so upset he does not want to go to the woods and john asked Vito, not Vito. he asked no it's Vito. he asked Vito if he's coming and Vito says he's bringing a lazy boy and four packs of marble lights <laughs> Vito's kind of funny um peter says they don't want to go to the woods because they're spoiled and they've never had to face adversity and that essentially like i mean He's right. And it's, I think I might like Peter. <laughs> He's right. They are incredibly spoiled. And it's not like you expect a 17, 14, or I think Frank's 15 at this point, uh, 15, a 17, and 18 year old to be out in here trying to hustle for themselves and feed themselves. Like, if that had happened, I'd be like, oh, they, uh, no one, no, no teenager should have to be like that, where they, where they have to figure out a way to feed their families and stuff. But, the fact is they don't have adversity and I never faced it. People fix things for them or they just give up and it's not a way to live. It's not a way to be raised. It's not any of that. And it's important that while they're teenagers and they have you as a safety net, that they learn how to handle problems, that they do things that are a little harder for them and they understand what it's like to not win, to try something hard, to try something hard and win, to try something hard but and not and and not win but still have a good experience. It's important. But they don't have they basically just kind of do what they want and Victoria makes excuses for them. Um and I bet they're the most spoiled kids in the family. I bet when they get around the cousins they're super, super spoiled. I bet the other uh the other um the like you know the other family members talk shit about them because <laughs> they say they are the worst and it feels good to watch uncle peter tell them this because we just watched them be like dicks and we've been watching them be dicks all season it feels good to have un uncle peter say you you're not as tough as you think you are and what you need is some time by your you need some time in the woods i'm happy he took him there i wish he would have taken them there kicked him out of the car and drove away but you know, that's just me. Um, 
So Peter get, goes to get them in the morning. They're, of course, they're not ready. Carmine has to take a shower to wash the jail out of his hair. What did he say? He said, put the jail down and go to the woods. <laughs> um, their friends have bottle rockets with them. And Peter's like, oh, you go to jail. <laughs> and, you know, he drags them out and marches them into the woods with, like, backpacks and stuff and... And they're crying and uh, not crying, but they're whining. He calls them little bitches. Again, like in any other scenario, I would be like, like if this was my 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 husband, I'd be like, please don't call our children little bitches. <laughs> please don't talk to them that way. That's disrespectful. That's 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 demeaning. But I've watched them be so demeaning to their mother and other people on camera. That I'm just like, yeah, they're little bitches. Call them that, Peter. Shit, get him little t-shirts to say. I, I would have taken him to the woods and when we got there, been like, and here's your new uniform and it'd just be like a white t-shirt that said little bitches. <laughs> That's mean. I wouldn't have done that. All right, so they, like, Carmine's smoking a cigar while they're pulling these packs. And I'm like, you guys are complaining about how your back hurts and how you can't breathe, but he's going to smoke a cigar. And Carmine's smoking a cigar several times during this camping trip. And I guess it's probably what Peter and Vito and Chubb, Chubbs or whatever his name is um, have cigars. Or is it because did Carmine bring them? I bet you John and Frankie were smoking them too, but they didn't put them on camera because we know how old John and Frankie are. And production's like, you are not gonna get me filming a crime <laughs> and putting it on TV. And it's about this time that Eric, the professional outdoorsman, comes on. I Googled him. He, I stopped here and Googled him. He's like, um, he's kind of a kayaking professional. And, which makes sense because they go kayaking after this. Um, so Eric, like, teaches them how to set up camp and shit. And, you know, it requires them to carry a lot of stuff and look for wood. And John's whining. And anytime... Anytime Peter is, um, anytime Peter is, sees someone not with any work, he's like, can you help my nephew Carmine find something to do? Like, honestly, Peter comes out very likable in this and is, is basically someone who's not going to take shit from them. And you're going to have, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the person that your mom really should have been for you. So, I mean, they chop a lot of wood, which they really enjoy doing. By the way, I want you guys to know that John and Carmine are wearing Tim's. Uh, I have a lot in common with my husband. You know, he's just a regular New York guy, and he and he loves his Tim's, and, and he really don't want to hear nothing else about it. He loves his Tim's. <laughs> uh. So... At night, it's nighttime, and Peter's asking them about what they're going to do from 10 years from now. John says he's going to, he wants to get into real estate. Real estate's going up, he says. Buy now, buy now sell later. Um, Frankie says he wants a restaurant, but, like, then claims he doesn't know how to cook. And that his mom is always telling people he knows how to cook, and anybody can put chicken on a grill. Like, I was like, so, is this for or against you having a restaurant? And then 
Carmine says he wants to own everything. I was just looking at him and he's like, I want to own everything. I'm going to buy everything and then I'll own everything. And they're like, so you're going to be a billionaire? And he's like, yeah. They're like, how? And he's like, I'll buy everything. Like, <sighs> by the way, Carlin's in a white shirt, a white hoodie, and a white hat in the woods. <sighs> I don't know. This is when Peter starts talking about uh, Che Rivera and who is a Cuban revolutionary. I mean, he was instrumental in the Cuban revolution um, and worked with Fidel Castro. Um, So here's the thing. Like, I noticed him wearing that shirt earlier. And I was like, oh, he's wearing that shirt. And then, so he goes on this long, like, philo... He goes on this long, like, talk about theories and about what Che thought and did and blah, blah, blah. And it was hard for me to listen to. Guys, you... I know that Che is very much a, um... I don't even want to say hipster, but I will say hipster. Hipster type symbol for, like, free thought and, like, getting things done. But he's also very much, like... A murderer and very like I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I have a, a good understanding where I should be teaching other people of the Cuban Revolution I'm not gonna even do that but there there are at least two sides to the story and where white people and Americans in general but specifically white Americans co-op um, Che and symbols of him for our romantic stories about idealism and you know that book and also that uh that movie that came from like based on his life story there are whole like generations of people that view him as a monster and I mean maybe the same way John Gotti like there are tons of people that View John Gotti as an upstanding guy, an ideal, um, a family man, uh, someone who cared about his community, somebody who did what was right, somebody that, you know, uh, like a stand-up guy in a great suit. There are a lot of people who thought that about John Gotti. And there are a lot of people who also are like, my father's dead because of John Gotti. My family's dead. My, my community's decimated because of, of the crimes he committed. Like... I just, I promise I'm not going to, like, get political. I mean, fuck it. I feel like I'm always political. But it's just, when I when I see stuff like that, I'm always like, hmm, TBD on you. <laughs> but anyway, he talks a lot about Che. He talks about grandfather and about how your grandfather would do this. I think they also fudge with the timeline because it feels like the next morning, and they're all going, they're all, they don't have their packs. They just have bags and they're going off to, they walk a ways and they go kayaking or canoeing. Kayaking, canoeing. I bet there's a difference. I bet, a, you know what? It's probably that a canoe is open up top and a kayak is enclosed. Like you kind of slide your body into it. And remember that um, outside consultant guy that they hired or the outdoorsman consultant guy they hired. That's what he does. He, 
I guess he writes about and and shows people how to kayak and shit like that. So they don't want to do that because they don't want to get wet. And Peter's like, oh, you don't want to get wet, you baby wavy. <laughs> Again, I would be like, don't talk to them like that. But I've listened to them talk to people like that all the time. I want them to talk to them. I want them to, to hear them being talked to. I want them to get a little bit of what they give. So um, they go kayaking. And, like, Frankie's too tall. He can barely fit in the fucking thing. And, like, you know, Vito, the big guy, is just sitting there just staring at him. He's like, he's going to smoke a cigarette and watch the sun and watch the, watch the ocean. But here's the thing. They end up going... It, the way the show has put it together, it looks like they go they go camping they spend the night the next morning they go kayaking then they go back and they cook food i don't think that's what happened i think they're only out there one night i think that in the day before they set up camp they went kayaking and then they came back and it got night and they made the food and you know john's burning up fucking hot dogs and shit and all that and then peter did his speech about their father and about where they're going to be in 10 years and about che and that's, I feel like that was the night. Now, let's talk about, I don't, I didn't talk a lot about Victoria and her LA experience because it was really nothing. Um, the fact is that she had two lines, two setups and one line in each setup and she did it and that was the end of it. And then what I do want to talk about is how later she had one night left in LA and she, I guess they rented, was that a, I don't know, was that a Ferrari? What was that she had rented? It was some fast-ass car, but it was a stick. And guys, you know, I don't know shit about cars. I don't know nothing, 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 nothing about cars. You know, I used to regularly run out of gas. I've run out of gas three times in my life. Not just like, just like doing errands. I don't, I don't, I don't care about cars. And, but I do know how to drive a stick because one of my friends went to boot camp, Marine boot camp, and let me drive his car. This is back when I was super, super poor. And I really needed a car. And my husband had a car. We worked opposite hours. And so he let me drive his car. He was gone. And it was a stick. And my husband taught me how to drive a stick in the parking lot of a mall. Like, he basically sent me to get into gears. Like, I would have to, he'd tell me to speed up. He wasn't even in the car with me most of the time. And I'd have to get into gears and shit like that. And then he, at one point, I see him, he's in his car, which is a stick as well. Um, and he looks at, and he's like, you know how to get home, right? I was like, yeah, I know how to fucking get home. I work at this mall. And he's like, all right, I'll see you home. And I had to just like drive home by myself. And I remember calling him once on the highway. And I was like, should I be in, in second? He's like, no. <laughs> how fast are you going? You have to switch gears. I mean, that, it was like a crash course. And I was constantly stalling out. I would say probably the first month was like the worst month. And then like, there was a month where I there was a time when I was like at a stoplight on an incline and <sighs> my worst nightmare in a stick is to be on an incline at a stop because like to get going to not stall out you there's a lot of movement and I'm not a great driver I never said I fucking was I'm not a good driver I stay to the right I mind my fucking business and so I know how to drive a stick and after like maybe a month, a month and a half, I stopped stalling out all the time and it was fine. But however, even though I'm not a car person, watching her fuck up that clutch. Woo! 
watching her. Oh, Lord. Watching her drive a stick. She, I knew it was going to be trouble when she got in the car and was like, it's a stick. How hard can it be? Oh, girl. Oh, girl. Let someone else drive this. She's turned around. She's about to go the wrong way down a one-way street. People are honking at her. I don't. No. This is a no for me. <laughs> this is the most stressful fucking part of the whole damn movie. Um, I mean, of the whole damn show. So, oh, by the way, at night, at, during the campaign, they were setting off the bottle rockets and running around and pantsing each other, and they seemed to be having a good time eating burnt hot dogs at that point. So, when the boys get back to the house, Victoria is home. She's gotten home, and... She has breakfast, a catered breakfast waiting for them. They get a lot of catering. Uh, so they all eat and everything. And, and you know, Victoria was talking about how terrible she felt last night that her boys were sleeping outside. I was like, you don't want them to go camping. What do you think camping is? It's sleeping outside. What do you mean? So they ask, and Peter's basically like, John did the most bitching and complaining and the most crying and the most, why are we even here? <laughs> Shit. But he ended up having the most fun. And John says, out of his own mouth, that he had a great time. And that it was a lot of fun. And that's pretty much where it ends. That's the end of the show. That's the end of the season. I don't, I hope I didn't forget anything. Hmm. So, here's the deal. Like I said, I'm going to be on Liz Explains It All talking about uh, girls behind bars or girls locked up or girls incarcerated. I can't fucking remember, but it's on Netflix. So you should be looking for that soon. Um, if you're a Patreon member, you got a princess diaries episode. You also got a Kate plus eight plus RV episode. And pretty soon, like tonight I'm going to recording. So it should be out. Uh, I'm not gonna record it tonight. Am I? I don't fucking know what my schedule is, but I'm going to be recording a, um, a little woman of Atlanta. Uh, episode that will be out and about and next week and then you'll also get another Kate plus eight RV episode so make sure you sign up for patreon make sure you follow me on social media okay then princess and buy pumpkin podcast and uh, next week is our last episode of this season three of buy pumpkin we're going to be doing the I keep calling it a reunion episode it's not a fucking reunion but you know what I'm saying the look back episode so we're going to do that, and then it's on to season four at the shit-filled Playboy Mansion and the sex slaves that live there with their grandpa. So, yeah. Get into it. See you soon. <laughs> Bye.